It's your Thursday Daily Delivery Podcast. I am Michael Rand. How you guys doing today? Hope you're staying warm. Man, it was cold on uh, on Wednesday. If you are in the Twin Cities or anywhere in uh, in Minnesota, it was surprisingly cold. I didn't, I mean, maybe surprising is the wrong word because we have all sorts of things to tell us how cold it is supposed to be, but I did not expect that on uh, on Wednesday. But you know what? That's what we signed up for. It is now December and uh, that's going to be life for the next couple of months at least, and I say couple of months optimistically. Today's show, good one coming up. Marcus Fuller should be with me here in a little bit, talking Gophers men's basketball. Um, interesting start to the year for them, trying to get things going offensively. Some promising moments from some of their young players, but still trying to figure out the backcourt a little bit too, but see some potential for this team, even if it hasn't come to fruition yet, so I'm curious um, about where this season is headed, and Marcus certainly does a great job covering them and will help you uh, understand where that team is at heading into the Big Ten opener this weekend against number 5 Purdue. Got to get to a couple NFL things at the end of today's show, including the ongoing beef between Patrick Peterson, Vikings cornerback, and his former teammate, um, Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray. Some interesting developments there via a podcast, not this podcast, of course, a different podcast, a Patrick Peterson uh, podcast, but uh, we'll get to that at the end of the show. Interesting college football development as well that has some Gophers implications in my mind. First, though, what did I miss? We're going to talk Timberwolves at the jump because they continue to be interesting. They beat the Grizzlies 109-101 on Wednesday night, the first full game without Carl Anthony Towns since the uh, Timberwolves all um, you know all NBA center was uh, I said all NBA power forward now since the all NBA big man was lost for several weeks with a calf strain suffered a couple nights ago against Washington so the question coming in I had big questions about this coming in how would they respond how would they look would they somehow look better even without one of their best players one of their most important players because let's face it this year it's been clunky in a lot of ways and part of that I feel like is still the adjustment period to playing two bigs together Rudy Gobert of course acquired in the offseason and Carl Anthony Towns playing next to him at the power forward position instead of center so what was it going to look like especially with the Wolves missing some other key pieces right um, Jade McDaniel still out for this game with an illness. Torian Prince still missing. Jordan McLaughlin still missing. You know, not three of their absolute best players, but three important rotation players. So what was it going to look like? Should we overreact now to how it did look with some pretty good ball movement, some really good defense by and large, forcing 27 Memphis turnovers and maybe the most important thing, Anthony Edwards looking about as good as he has all season. Is that direct? Is there a direct correlation? Is this just one game? What, what do we make of this? And here's where I kind of land on it. Yes and yes. It's, it's, it's all of that right now because here's how ego works in major big-time sports. Um, I think Anthony Edwards at the start of the year didn't know where he fit in on this team anymore, both from a you know schematic flow um, perspective, just because things changed with the offense, with the way they were doing things, and also just from a where does he fit in the pecking order situation? Because you know you think about he gets drafted number one overall a couple of years ago, comes in, 
you know, has some success individually. Last season, they jump into the playoffs. Um, you know, and they've got Towns, of course. They've got D'Angelo Russell last year, but growing um, a growing sense that it was becoming at least a share of Anthony Edwards' team, right? This was going to be Anthony Edwards' team. He was the young up-and-comer, still just 21, that he was going to be the face of this franchise going forward, or at least a big part of the face of the franchise going forward. Enter Rudy Gobert. You know, no fault of Rudy Gobert, no fault of the Timberwolves even for wanting to add more good players. That's what good teams do, right? They add good players. They try to improve. They do things that they think are going to make them better. But you bring in someone like a Rudy Gobert, that muddies the picture even more. Is this Rudy Gobert's team now? Is the identity changing? Are they more of a defensive-minded team? Are they going to play big and and go that route? Where does Anthony Edwards fit into that? How does he fit into, you know, where does the star pecking order come in? And, you know, Gobert isn't the kind of player that demands the ball, so it wasn't so much of is he still going to get his shots. It's still it's more of a matter of identity. So you remove Towns at least temporarily from that equation. Not a good thing in terms of losing one of your best players, but you clear up some of those pictures, at least for now, to see how that looks. Anthony Edwards has more room on the court because now they're playing a smaller lineup. He's ostensibly, you know, playing <clears throat> you know, more or less kind of playing the, you know, a, a big, a bigger role, kind of the, you know, more of a three-four almost hybrid with Car- with Kyle Anderson out there because Anderson's not really a a big player, so he's playing, you know, really playing the three still, but it's a smaller lineup out there where he's got more more space I would say and more opportunities just because Carl Anthony Towns is not going to command the ball he's not in the game um, also pecking order wise it gets cleared up a little bit because without Cat out there Edwards suddenly feels empowered again I would think to be that guy um, and, and whether he should have felt that all along whether he did feel that all along and we're making too much of one game that's a fair question but I feel like you saw a different Anthony Edwards, especially taking over last night in the fourth quarter with those 17 fourth quarter points, staring down Dylan Brooks, finishing that game, um, you know, sending Memphis away, Memphis losing its cool a little bit with some ejections towards the end. That felt like it was, you know, an important moment for for Anthony Edwards. And by the way, Chris Finch, uh, head coach, also agreed with how well Ant played. Let's hear from him and his reaction post-game. You know, it could be one of his most complete games he's played since I've been with him. You know, every facet. Uh, he made the big plays. He made the little plays. He, um, he, he played all the way through the game. Um, you know, he, he really imposed himself um, offensively and defensively. Um, you know, gave us great life. You know, not just the game, but it's his voice in the locker room is uh, growing and growing. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to, you know, great to see and much needed for this team and for him, you know, he's got it in him. Um, he's an extremely likable teammate. Uh, you know, everyone believes that when you have him on the floor, he's going to do great things. And, and now he's learning like how, you know, how to back it up with, with some words to help his teammates as well. So now we got to say, let's see it again and again and again, before we make two many hard conclusions, but for this game, Anthony Edwards looked different he it just both from a production standpoint and from just his energy standpoint i feel like there's been a little bit of a uh, his spirit has been lacking a little bit this season i felt like we saw some of that in uh, in wednesday's game for you know for one of the rare <clears throat> appearances this season so let's see it again and again and again before we draw conclusions 
if it's if it keeps going, if they keep winning without Towns, then we're going to have some questions about how this all fits back together. Let's not worry about it too much right now. This this could have been a one-off. They still got rebounded by like a two-to-one margin. Turnovers and you know feisty play kind of saved them. That that energy they're going to need to bring that every single night to overcome what they're missing with Towns. But a promising start and an interesting one, especially from the perspective of Anthony Edwards on Wednesday night. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's talk college basketball on Daily Delivery today. Marcus Fuller covers the Gopher men's team for the Star Tribune. Does a great job doing it. Um, Marcus, this is a you know stands in contrast a little bit to last year, Ben Johnson's first season when team got off to an unexpectedly good start. It's been bumpy this year. Everything from you know Jamison Battle having to come back from an injury early on and missing some time. You know, getting some of these newer players into the mix, you know, a less experienced team in some ways than the one they had last year when they had a lot of those, you know, more experienced grad tra- or you know, transfers that came in for their, you know, for their final year from the portal. Um, maybe we just start, Marcus, with overall impressions and what we've been seeing so far from from this year's team. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. As always, awesome to talk over basketball. Um, feel like. Uh, you know, this has been a, a tale of two seasons. Um, they started four games at home, and then the last few have been on the road away from home. First road game was Monday at Virginia Tech. True road game, but they did play two in California. Uh, we're one and one. You know, the first four uh, home games kind of went as expected early. Um, they played some mid-major teams, and they handled those teams. The opener was actually pretty shocking. Um that they only won by one um, versus uh, Western Michigan. Um, again, you mentioned that Jamison Battle has been out. Um, he missed the first four games of the season with a foot injury. He had foot surgery in the offseason. It was kind of uh, surprising at the time. I think there was some lingering uh, issues with his foot, and then they decided, hey, if we don't get this done now, then you're going to be uh, trying to play through it during the season and really not and struggling. And uh, so they got that done in October. Uh, he made his season debut in the opener in the SoCal Challenge in California, San Juan Capistrano, California. I was there, a uh, great venue, even for a high school <laughs> gym. Um, and then, uh, you know, there were some Gopher fans there, pretty decent crowd, about 100 Gopher fans. Some made the trip, some were already there from California. Kind of felt like a home atmosphere um, to see his first game. And he, he did okay. Um, he, he, uh, he helped them. Uh, he actually was a second leading scorer in the game, but they needed a, a last second shot by Dawson Garcia uh, to pull out a game in overtime versus Cal Baptist. Now, when you think Cal Baptist, you think, are they even a division one team? Right. <laughs> Which obviously I had to do the research beforehand and they were a division two team uh, back five years ago, but they did, did beat Washington this year. Uh, before they played Minnesota. And, you know, I mean, f- for a young team, as you mentioned, 
um, to be able to, to, to pull off that game in overtime against an opponent that uh, had already beaten a Power 5 team. Um, I think that showed a lot of guts by them. Um, Pharrell Payne, a freshman from Cottage Grove, he actually led them in scoring and rebounding in that game off the bench, 15 points, 13 rebounds. So, you know, they, they did it in, a, in different ways. They went through their freshmen in the post. Uh, Garcia won it for them in the end. And then, you know, Jameson played his first game. And, you know, as much as he means to this team, he's a captain, he's, he was their leading scorer last year, this is an entirely new team. Sure. Uh, that hadn't played with Jamison yet. So there are a lot of things going on in that in that first game for Jamison. They ended up winning it. Um, they did lose to UNLV in that second game. Uh, they were really getting blown out. They were losing by 22 in the second half, and they came back and lost by, by nine, I believe, or 10. And, uh, you know, I think there's just a lot of growth that has to go on with this team. They, they play four freshmen. Uh, Battle's only been playing for a few games. And they still they're still trying to figure out how to utilize Dawson Garcia to to the fullest of his ability, and so those are some of the things that you have going on right now. Um, and they have three losses. Yeah, and I'll get back. I'm gonna circle back to Battle and Garcia in a minute. But Payne seems like he's been a real uh, bright spot so far. Even coming coming off the bench, his role seems to be expanding, and you know that's. For you know, for a for a big man, sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to adjust. But he seems like he's been ready from the jump. What have you seen from him so far? Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, Daniel Tour a few years ago. Um, you know, he's a pretty heralded recruit coming out of Creighton Durham Hall, won a state championship. You know, so people knew a lot about him. I feel like Pharrell. You know, he, even though he played in Minnesota, not too many people knew him very well. You know, he. He wasn't a highly rated recruit, um, you know, until the, the very end in his senior year when when he just blew off the charts and, and had a great senior year, ended up being, I think, a top two recruit locally but or in Minnesota. But nationally, you know, he didn't have the big ranking that Daniel had. Daniel was a top 40 recruit, I think. And, you know, he played for Howard Pulley, uh, AAU. Pharrell played for Minnesota Select for a really good coach in Mitch Onstad, a former gopher. But, you know, they didn't play on the shoe circuit and he wasn't highly recruited. So I think people didn't know kind of what to expect as a freshman um, as far as like his immediate impact. But physically, I mean, he's the most impressive freshman that I, I've covered. I wow. mean, he's six foot nine, 255 pounds and there's no fat on him. I mean, he's super strong, um, super athletic. You know, I, I don't want to like obviously blow his expectations out of proportion. But he kind of reminds me of Chris Weber, wow. just physically. Sure. Physically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, he's he's he just turned 18 years old, and you don't see too many guys his size as 22 year olds. Sure. You, know, you don't see too many six nine two fifty five guys that can jump out of the gym, and he's only 18 years old. So I think physically he fits the part. And you talked about like, hey, you know, he's starting to figure out now get more comfortable in the beginning, you know, they, they really uh, didn't try to do too much for him offensively because he had trouble uh, handling the ball, uh, making decisions. You know, I think he, he had five turnovers in one game early. Um, they lost to DePaul. Um, but, you know, he, he finishes well at the basket because he's so athletic and so strong and he's figuring out how to rebound and really help them in that area because they're the worst rebounding team in the big 10 as a team. Right. So I think, you know, he's emerged as that physical presence inside that they sorely need. 
and they really are gonna gonna have to have that from him uh, as they open the Big Ten season on Sunday versus Purdue, a really surprising Purdue team that's number five in the country now after they beat a couple top ten teams, and you know they have a, a ferociously uh, uh, a scary physical specimen in in Zach Eady, seven foot four, two hundred ninety pounds, and as as impressive as Pharrell is physically, yeah, there's no one in the country that matches Eady. Um, and his physical stature. So it'll be interesting to see um, Pharrell and Dawson Garcia, Jamison Battle, you know, those, those guys, how they handle uh, their first Big Ten opponent. And then, it's, again, it's another road game. And you talked about uh, Battle and Garcia just now. and we yeah, that, That's kind of going into the year. I mean, that was probably the hope that these two could carry a lot of the offensive load battle based on what he did last year and Garcia just based on his pedigree and you know coming coming over in the portal being very highly regarded and you know it's materialized at at times so far this year but it's been kind of fits and starts just because of battles injury and because you still kind of work Garcia into the mix and he was playing through some illness in in that um, in that most recent game against Virginia Tech when when and if they do start clicking is that I mean that seems like a pretty obvious piece to getting this offense going is it is it sim- is it that simple in terms of getting those two guys going or do they need more from other areas too if we're going to see some improvement in these long scoring droughts yeah you mentioned the long scoring droughts the past two games past two losses they lost to UNLV and then Virginia Tech in the ACC Big 10 challenge the last one by the way they're they're doing away with the Big 10 ACC challenge you know right uh, rip rip uh <laughs> I, I feel like uh, it's been pretty uh, you know, whole hum for the Gophers as far as their opponents over the years, but I really enjoyed that that series in the Big Ten. Um, uh, but yeah, I think the scoring droughts are interesting because you'd figure, like you said, once Battle returned and then you have Garcia and Battle, like that would be such a tandem and an option for the Gophers that they would either have one of them uh, break them out of those scoring droughts, but they both are forwards that rely a lot on their outside shot. Yeah. And, you know, understandably, Jamison has still a little rusty. You know, I mean, he's playing only his third game and he actually only had a couple practices before uh, he played in California. So he's still trying to figure out his shot. Uh, And then Dawson, you know, he's more of a finesse big man that really does uh, look for his jumper. So I think uh, when these scoring droughts happen, they happen to play really good defensive teams. And they're just not getting these guys the shots that they want, you know. And and when you're not hitting your jumper, you got to get something inside. And I think that's where Pharrell comes in. Is I think as they play through him a little bit more in the paint, that'll open things up for Dawson and and Jamison. Um, and I think that's something that that Ben and his co- Ben Johnson and his coaches are are trying to figure out now. It's like okay, we have these two dynamic forwards. Uh, that are very versatile. They can go inside and out. But how do we get them easy baskets? Because that's just not happening uh, in these scoring droughts. And, um, you know, I think moving forward, you're going to see Jamison Battle get a little bit more comfortable, a little, a lot more comfortable physically. And then Dawson is just um, going to have to figure out how to play with these other two uh, forwards and Pharrell and and Jamison and get his shots because I think he's the most dynamic of the three where, you know, he's six foot 11, right? Sure. He has a three point range. You know, he can finish in the paint. I mean, he's just a matchup problem. And really 
the last time that Dawson faced Purdue was last year when he played for North Carolina. He had 26 points versus Zach Eady. And that was because, you know, Eady's not comfortable going all the way out right. in the perimeter trying to guard six foot 11. And, um, you know, he really had success in that game. So I think, you know, we'll see them utilize Dawson in that way. Um, but I think it's, it'll be pretty interesting to see how they can get Jamison comfortable because he is one of the better players in the Big Ten. He showed it last year. He was all Big Ten preseason. Um, you know, and, and I think he's the key to this team if they're going to uh, try to be competitive in the Big Ten. I'm sure some of it comes down to guard play, too. And, you know, they had Peyton Willis, you know, having a surprisingly maybe to some good season and, you know, really pairing with battle, um, you know, last season and giving them kind of some of that one-two scoring punch, especially when things were going well. Obviously don't have him anymore. Uh, what have we seen from from the perimeter at this point and, and who might be a candidate to, you know, kind of evolve into a bigger role there? Yeah, Peyton was just um, the fact that he came back, played last year. I mean, you know, he's a guy that had already played for Minnesota, right? And transferred away, came back. He, he had already played Power 5 basketball before he came to Minnesota. He was at Vanderbilt, you know, for two years. So, you know, we're looking at a guy that was, you know, a fifth-year player who had already played several years at the high major level. He had so much experience that, you know, you take it for granted, right? I mean, they have Talon Cooper this year, a point guard who is second in the Big Ten in assists, but he's playing high major basketball for the first time. So, you know, when he played DePaul, UNLV was not a high major team, but the way they pressured in their athletes at the guard position, they did have that type of talent. And then you play Virginia Tech, who's a high major program. You know, he struggled in those games, mostly defending the basketball, um, but also, you know, trying to figure out, okay, I, I need to get my teammates involved. I'm a very good passer, you know, second in the Big Ten in assists. But when they're going on these offensive shooting slumps, like, oh, wow, they need some offense from me, you know? So I think he's he figured that out a little bit in the Virginia Tech game. He actually tied them with the scoring lead with Farrell Payne. He had 13 where, okay, they, they're going to need some scoring from the perimeter at times, you know, when they can't get it from Battle and, and Dawson. So I think Talon, you know, hopefully the Virginia Tech game, even though it was a loss, he can understand that, you know, he's going to have to score. You know, he's averaging right around – he was averaging just below double figures before that game, about nine points a game, and that took him over about 10. But he's going to have to be a factor because they're just going to load it up on Dawson and, and Jamison. And then as Pharrell starts to be, get more involved, you know, in the paint, they're going to uh, put their pressure on him. And, and you know, Talon Cooper, Braden Carrington is a freshman that people know from Park Center won a stage championship last year. He was hurt, actually, to start the year with an ankle injury, but he's been playing. And he's got a lot of confidence, but, again, he's going to need the experience. And then Jaden Henley's a freshman as well from California. When I was there in California, um, got to see his family uh, watching him in the stands and he's his good friend is Dennis Evans, a seven footer from Riverside, California, five-star recruit that Ben Johnson signed and got to talk to him a little bit. It's a great kid. Um, but, you know, I think if you look at this team, I mean, the perimeter is just very young. You know, they have a transfer in Talon Cooper that has no big, big time experience at the high major level. And then they have freshmen. So I think that's where, you see in these losses like DePaul, UNLV, Virginia Tech is when they're putting on the pressure, I mean, you're going to see mistakes. 
right? You're going to see a lot of mistakes because the freshmen just haven't handled the last time, you know, they played a full season was in high school. Yeah. And you know, that uh, there's a big difference between the pressure that you get on the perimeter in high school. And then this level, not just when you're playing mid majors at home, but then when you ratchet up a level in the big 10 and um, you know, they'll, they'll get they'll uh, gain from the experience they had early in the season uh, playing DePaul, playing UNLV, Virginia tech, but um, I'm interested to see this Purdue game because Purdue also relies on freshmen. Um, their starting point guard, is, uh, Braden Smith, he's actually one of the better point guards in the league to start off this season in how he's handling um, Purdue's offense. But he's a freshman, and then they actually start another freshman, Fletcher Lawyer. Um, so their backcourt is two freshmen, and then you have Minnesota who's re- relying on a couple freshmen um, so maybe, maybe that, that helps the Gophers a little bit that they're, they're seeing a couple other, uh, former, uh, high school recruit recruits there in the backcourt. Yeah. You mentioned Purdue and then maybe that leads to my, maybe let me lead to my last thought here for you. I mean, you, you mentioned Dennis Evans too, which got me thinking about, you know, the future of, of this team still feels like it's in good shape when you think about, you know, the emergence of someone like Farrell Payne, when you think about, you know, Dawson Garcia having eligibility, Jamison Battle having having eligibility, and, you know, having these recruits coming in, especially Dennis Evans. You know, that said, there's still a season to be played right now. And, you know, there's a Big Ten feels awfully loaded up again this year. And if, if Purdue is surprisingly good at number five, that doesn't help the, uh, the, the, the picture. Where, where do you, you know, that, how can this team even elevate itself to, you know, I mean, middle of the pack is probably even ambitious, but if things are going to go well starting Sunday when they do play Purdue, um, how, how do you see that evolving if, if things are going to, to go well in, in a very loaded Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, you have to be realistic, right? Um, you mentioned middle of the pack. I think right now you just do not want to finish at the bottom. Yes. You know, like they, 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 they're better than that. They have more talent than last year. They have less experience, but they have more talent. So the goal is not to finish better than last year. And they, they should be able to do that if those younger players can, can learn from their mistakes quicker, you know, so, sooner than later. I mean, they've played, you know, he's starting Jaden Henley as a freshman. You know, he's playing, Braden Carrington's playing heavy minutes. Farrell Payne's playing heavy minutes. They also have another freshman in Josh Ola Joseph who's in the rotation. So they have four freshmen in their rotation. Those freshmen have to, at, at some point in Big Ten play, not look like freshmen and look more like sophomores who are going to make a jump. You know, usually you wait until next year and say, oh, wow, this, this guy's really learned from his freshman year. But they have to learn from their freshman year within their freshman year. Right. <laughs> you know, and there's no way around it. I mean, they just don't have enough depth to say, oh, wow, these freshmen, are, these freshmen players are struggling. We're going to we can go somewhere else. They don't have anywhere else to go. Um, so I think, yes, uh, Jameson battle and the Dawson Garcia, you know, that tandem right there ha- at some point has to look like one of the better forward tandems in the big 10, but then, but, but, you know, even those two playing well cannot overcome the fact that they just rely so much on youth. Um, so I think, you know, what, it's not going to be Purdue. It's their first big 10 game. It's on the road. You know, uh, if they're competitive in that game, that that's going to be a big win for them. But, you know, at some point playing at home, Michigan is their second Big Ten game. It might not even come in that game. But, you know, once the thick of the Big Ten schedule comes in January, you know, you're going to have to see some growth from the freshmen. 
Um, Farrell's starting to show it a little bit, but you're going to have to see it from some of the guards when they start improving and making, maybe make, making drastic improvement, um, then they can really step out of that last, you know, few teams in the big 10 shadow, um, which I think right now it's, it's kind of hard to say that they're not because they've lost three games in November, which I look back and the last time they lost three games this early in the season was, uh, back in 2019. And then it's only happened twice in the last 16 years. Wow. So this year and in 2019, um, under Patino and, and that year was, they lost three games because they played three, they played three games away from home DePaul, um, they played uh, Butler and they lost to Oklahoma. So, um, you know, I think this team is better than the three losses they have, but you need to figure out how to play with battle. Now he's back. And then again, like I said, the freshmen have to at some point not play like freshmen. That's a big, big ask for this team. But I think you're, you're setting your expectations correctly and that you want to see growth at least. And that's what I'll be watching for this year, especially like you said, once, uh, once they get into the heart of big 10 play in January, I'm sure we'll be, talking a lot more about that as the season goes along. Marcus, appreciate your perspectives. As always, follow Marcus's coverage, of course, Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. And Marcus, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Great stuff from Marcus. As always, loved catching up with him. It's been a little bit too long since we did that, but it shouldn't be as long before we talk again. Some important games coming up for the Gophers. Curious to see if they can kind of find that offensive rhythm that they want, find you know some of that perimeter scoring, get those forwards going, and uh, and get some momentum going this season, and uh, really turn that program program around. We will see if they are able to do that. Let's finish with a couple of um, extended NFL thoughts and one college football item. Uh, NFL. Aaron Rodgers says he's open to the idea of sitting the rest of the season if and when the Packers are eliminated from any sort of playoff um, possibility. They're kind of hanging by a thread right now. They're 4-8. and eight. Rodgers dealing with the thumb injury still, dealing with a rib injury that he picked up last game in that loss to the Eagles. An interesting spot for the Packers to be in because Aaron Rodgers, obviously back-to-back MVPs the last two seasons, but Jordan Love kind of waiting in the wings. They probably want to see what he looks like before they make any decisions about his future. Um, give him a look. Maybe at least increase his value if, if he's going to stay or go. So fascinating to watch how that plays out in Green Bay the rest of the year. Because that will tell you a lot about what is going to happen in Green Bay in 2023 and beyond. Patrick Peterson talking on his podcast with a co-host, former NFL corner Bryant McFadden talking about his former teammate Kyler Murray saying uh, Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray that's just a matter of the fact a few hours after the podcast posted Kyler Murray wrote on Twitter um, this isn't true writing right at Patrick Peterson um, at P2 that's Patrick Peterson's uh, Twitter handle you got my number if you really feel like this is a big bro or mentor you're supposed to call me and tell me, not drag me, so your podcast can grow. Love it. Love the beef. Love the NFL back and forth. If you remember a couple months ago when the Vikings played the Cardinals, Patrick Peterson did a video game celebration in uh, after, after a big defensive play mocking Kyler Murray. So 
that, uh, that I'm sure that relationship could use a little bit of growing, a little bit of mentoring, and maybe those guys will smooth it out. But I don't know if that I don't know if the relationship between Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury can be quite as smoothed out as that one. Let's finish up with the cooler. Like I said, college football news. Sounds like the Rose Bowl is getting on board with the idea of a 12-team college football playoff starting in 2024. Why is that a big deal? 12 teams all of a sudden makes it far more attainable for a lot of the next tier of programs. And I would put the Gophers into that mix. Um, not every year, but every few years, I feel like a team like the Gophers could be in the top 12 far more easily, far more attainable than being in a top four where you're competing with all of the elites of the elite. So watch for that starting in 2024, a more realistic path to a college football playoff for a program like Minnesota starting that year and beyond. That will do it for me today. Should be a good one coming up on Friday. Ben Gessling expected to join me to talk some Vikings. Until then, have a great rest of your Thursday. Be back at it again tomorrow.